0: Good morning, everybody. (laughs) Glad you're here. My name's Glenn. Serve as one of the pastors. Really, really excited for this morning. Gonna be a unique morning. My sermon is supposed to be significantly shorter today, uh, but then the fellows gave me the Bible to preach, and so I don't really know how that's gonna go. Uh, We're gonna try. We're gonna try. Hey, by way of introduction, how many of you followed the revival, outpouring, whatever you want to call it, at Asbury University over the last few weeks. Um, if you haven't followed it, Asbury is a Christian campus that's in Kentucky. And uh, as it would have it, a few weeks ago, they had, I think, a midweek chapel service for a bunch of their students. And when the chapel concluded, a few students just stuck around and never left. Uh that turned into a 24-7, multiple-day time of worship and prayer that turned in, stretched to a week, and then stretched again to another week. People from all over the place were traveling there. and um, Videos of, of students and visitors praying and singing and crying and embracing one another, lying prostrate, that uh, all continues to circulate online. There's no shortage of commentary, from a lot of theologians and bloggers and campus leaders and Christian voices attempting to analyze or even debunk uh, what was happening there. Um, And by the way, it spurred on several prayer movements that are now happening at dozens of college campuses across state lines that are happening right now as we are here this morning, which is amazing. Many remain in awe of, of the fervor and the zeal and the passion Uh, that was produced through what our Lord was doing there. And uh, there was reported widespread salvation, uh, deliverance from demonic influence, healings, and a lot more. And so I just want to say, first of all, don't sleep on Gen Z, okay? Uh, But one of our passions on Sunday morning here at CLB is to create a down-to-earth environment that frees very ordinary people like you and like me. Um, to be good stewards and responsive to the the presence and power of God among us that's been made possible by the person and work of Jesus. And uh, one of the things I love about City Light Bennington is there's not been a Sunday morning that has passed by in my entire time pastoring this church that I've not been so filled up and encouraged. Uh, The singing of the saints, the, the prayers of the saints, people interceding for our community, interceding for one another, um, I just think of the expression of worship here. I think of the, the the teaching of God's word, the preaching and heralding of the gospel week in and week out. Um, the, the wonderful people that I, I know and love um, and get the opportunity to pray for. It's been amazing. It will never, ever, ever get old. Amen? Uh, and it will never return void. God will always honor it and always bless it as he has in our story. And yet, and yet, any observation of any, Revival or awakening or movement of any kind in all of history, big or small, it's always going to entail one factor that's present in all of them, one thing that we must have true of our church, and it's this repentance. It's repentance. The late, great pastor, R.C. Sproul, he wrote Have you ever been asked what you would do differently in your life if you could do it over again? He says, it amazes me when people respond that they wouldn't do anything differently. He says, I I simply can't imagine someone not having anything they'd want to change. Don't we all have regrets? Certainly as Christians who understand sin, we would relish the chance to relive some of our past. Perhaps we have words we'd love to take back or painful scenes that we'd like to, to rewrite. These desires deep in us hint at our need for repentance it's a word that gets tossed around a lot Uh, you may be asking what is repentance what does it mean what was central in the preaching of john the baptist peter james paul our lord jesus himself it's derived from the greek word metanoia which means a fundamental changing of one's mind and will Um, I want to communicate something really important though this morning that that definition does not include and it just needs to be said uh, out loud. Repentance, genuine true repentance always seems to entail something more than an intellectual assessment or an intellectual agreement. It's not the changing of one's mind in a sense that you now agree with something new. That's not all of it. It is a deeply visceral emotional experience it's something that changes your very inner being it it changes the way that you deeply feel about things and we know this is happening in the life of our church already but city light don't miss this martin luther famously said he said that all of a christian's life is repentance All of a Christian's life. Church, it's not just a posture that we take at conversion when we first give our life to Jesus. It is a posture that we have for the rest of our life. It's a posture that we take and maintain for the rest of our days. And in our preaching, we just wrapped up Genesis chapter 11. We preached through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. That's the sermon series that we're in right now. Um, Surprise, surprise, this morning, we're actually going to take a pause we're going to pick back up. I'll lead us in, in Genesis chapter 12 next week. But before we get there, we just felt led uh, t- to just take inventory of these first 11 chapters of your Bible. You want to know what I see? Here's what I see in Genesis 1 through 11, and I wonder if you've seen it too. I see our nature as human beings wanting so badly to be our own God and suffering for it. I see blame shifting and pride and shame when our disobedience to God rears its ugly head in our day-to-day lives. I see envy and anger. I see the murder of one brother by another. I see multiple rebellion efforts by mankind, driven by the blindness of self-sufficiency and independence from God. I see darkness so perpetual and selfish that God is brokenhearted and grieved. I see sin, sin, it's a real thing, y'all. It manifests in our life and in our thoughts and in our attitudes every day. We're captive to it. It's inescapable, it's crouching at the door, it's eager to devour. It's destructive, it's enslaving, It's toxic. This morning, we're going to take one week off of Genesis, and our desire is that this precious church family would just have space for real men and women, real fathers and mothers, real sons and daughters, tired, weak, wayward, hiding, whatever it might be that we would experience blessing in a unique way. See, here's the thing about a local church. Here's the thing about a local church. Our change does not happen by osmosis, nor is God's design that we would sit back, attend church, and he just does what he wants because he's sovereign. God's design is friendship with us. God's heart is partnership with us. We've got to understand, church, that God's people are the means for God's mission on this earth. We didn't plant a church here so that people would come and create a new spiritual consumer cul-de-sac right here in Bennington where we go nowhere from here. We just gather together in an elementary school gym to get a little shot in the arm of something that feels good for us for that week. And then we're good. We did it. We arrived. The goal is actually that God would meet us in such a way that we would be his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are set on a hill here, a light to this community, people who are salt, people who look different, who live different, people who are marked by one thing, joy, Joy, because we know Jesus, the Savior of the world. He's invaded our life. He's changed our story. He's made a huge difference. We were dead in our sin, and now we are alive in him. Hallelujah. The story that God wants to write here, if we could just begin to imagine it, it's already begun the one thing that's going to get in the way is us and our hardness of heart and so i want to invite you to open your bible to a very familiar text one that we've preached on before psalm 51 feel free you are free here by the way to use your fake bible on your device there is no judgment for that Get them every time Psalm 51, and I want to just go through this as quickly as I can and then open up space for us to pray together, for us to share testimony together. Roy will lead us in that, but follow with me in Psalm 51. Here's the, here's the, the, the context. King David, the man after God's own heart, warrior, poet, amazing man of God, has just had a man murdered, committed adultery, and impregnated the woman he cheated with. He's not in a great spot. And at some point, he takes a pen. I mean, this is a real man, right? These aren't just, these didn't just get here. Like, this is a real person who had a real experience and a real heart and a real mind, and just like us. And something compelled him to write these words. Something happened in him to, to pen what we're about to read. So open up with me, Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. You delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Uh, Up until now, I'm sure that David, in the midst of all of the pain that his sin has caused, is probably rationalizing. Something that you and I are very, very good at doing, right? Uh, Justifying, defending the things that we would do that would not honor God in our life. The things that begin deep down in our heart and manifest themselves in what we do and say and the decisions that we make and how we treat other people. I'm sure up until now, David's been in denial. He's thought about how he could shift the blame. He's thought about how he could just ignore sin in his life and kind of move on to the next thing. And maybe he's even thought what many of us think. I'll kind of like wash this myself. I'll I'll, I'll go to church. I'll kind of recommit myself to the things of God. I'm going to I'm going to start reading my Bible more all in an effort to sort of feel better about something that we did and something shifts in David. Something changes in him and he's realized what we all need to realize our capacity to sin is enormous. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be honest before God. Like First of all, how is that even possible? Praise God. We can be honest before him. We can come to his throne. And because of what Christ has done for us, every bit of our weakness can be right there in front of his face, and he loves us. He welcomes us. He's gracious toward us. David says, literally, look, at, look back at the beginning. I just want to read this, this side of the cross. Have mercy on me, O God. Church, he does. According to your steadfast love, church, he is. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, church, praise Jesus, he does. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, church, he does. And cleanse me from my sin, church, he does. The only way to experience God's empowering and transforming life-changing grace is to acknowledge our fundamental need for it in the first place. Can I just just tell you all this? Please hear me. We will not be happy unless we deal with sin. We will have no happiness unless we deal with sin. Charles Spurgeon says this, it does not spoil your happiness to confess your sin. The unhappiness is in not making the confession. So would you bow for a moment and pray with me a very simple prayer. God in heaven change my mind. Help me to think differently about my sin in Jesus name. Amen. Pick it up in verse 12. David says purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit do you hear the word joy do you hear the word gladness do you hear the word rejoice in another psalm psalm 32 david he's just confessed other sin he's gone through the process of repentance and this is what he says psalm 32 7 this is how he responds to god the one he's coming and confessing all the sin to he says you are a hiding place for me you preserve me from trouble you surround me with what shouts of deliverance. Church, we need delivering. And there is one deliverer. And then, he's not done. Verse 11, just a few verses later, look at how he exhorts everyone else. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In Acts 11, verse 18, we read, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that what? Leads to life. In Acts chapter 3, 19 and 20, the message is, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Why? That times of refreshing may come from what? The presence of the Lord. David says here, don't remove your Holy Spirit from me. Christian, can I encourage you this morning? Can I give you some good news this morning? God's presence is with you. Praise Jesus. God is with you. Christian, right now in your life, God, Yahweh, the Almighty, is with you. Can I just say it one more time? People aren't hearing me. God is with you. God is with you. What good news this is. Again, go back and read what David says. He says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Church, God does. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. He does. Let me hear joy and gladness. You will. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. You will. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, church. In Christ, he won't. The veil of separation has been torn you have access to the fullness of joy, the fullness of gladness. You have, Christian, if you've bowed your knee to Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, you've come home. You've come home to where you belong. God is in the business of restoring all things back to what we read about in Genesis 1 and 2. Rejoice that because of faith in Jesus, you can come back. To paraphrase the old Puritan Thomas Brooks, nothing can make a man or woman miserable who has God as their portion. Nothing can make a man or woman truly happy that lacks God as their portion. God is the author, the donor, the maintainer, the center of all happiness. Surely we understand this. I want to press in even more, though, And I want to say that this is not just for our joy, it's for God's as well. You've heard the parable of the prodigal son. When we repent and turn to God, he, as a father, runs toward us, embraces us, throws a feast, pours out blessing and grace on us. The God who loves us and who is that father to his children is right here at City Light Bennington, in our midst, a mighty one to save us, He will rejoice over us in gladness. He will quiet us by his love. He will sing over us. When repentance happens, every feeling of shame and condemnation that we have, every bit of conviction that we're storing up in us, the discomfort of that, the pain of that, we bring that to the foot of the cross and we exchange it. And it's exchanged for God's love It's exchanged for grace. It's exchanged for power and strength. It's exchanged for cleansing. It's exchanged for renewed, restored relationship. Martin Lord Jones says, why believe the devil instead of believing God? Here's the question for us this morning. Why believe the devil instead of believing God? Rise up and realize the truth about yourself. That all the past has gone and you are one with Christ and all your sins have been blotted out once and forever. It is sin to allow the past, which God has dealt with, to rob us of our joy and our usefulness in the present and in the future. Child of God, your yesterday does not have to define your tomorrow. What you have felt, what you've struggled with, where you've been stuck, where you've been enslaved, does not have to be where you feel, what you struggle with, where you're stuck, where you're enslaved tomorrow, because Jesus has come. Jesus has come to the earth to take away sin's penalty and sin's power. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of the Christian faith. This is what makes our whole world and worldview different as believers. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? And before we say, hey, can this guy stop talking about repentance and start talking about something that's good news? Repentance is the good news. Do we understand? Freedom is the good news. This morning, I want you to know, here's a question. What could you and I— possibly do that would be too much in honoring Jesus what could we possibly do that would be over the top in praising him too extravagant in giving him thanks what could we give up that would be of more value than his precious glory church I'm going to keep going could we ever possibly love and obey Jesus too much is it possible that we could ever be too happy in him Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Church, is it today? Is it right now? Is it right here? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Three times in Hebrews it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I want us to pray. Again, would you bow with me? God, in heaven, enthroned, above all. Can you change my heart? In Jesus' name, amen. Last but not least, I want to read these last section, the last section of this, not all of it, but beginning in verse 13, David says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Verse 15, oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Church, would you pray with me? That's all we've left to do. God, we wanna ask right now that you would give us the strength to believe, that we would believe. God, if there's unbelief in this room, Please give us belief. Sin's grip is not limited to drinking, cussing, sex, drugs, rock and roll. God, it's apathy. It's fear. It's lovelessness. It's shame. It's hopelessness. It's laziness and aimlessness. It's self-obsession. It's greed. It's being constantly discontented and ungrateful oh God, would this church put it down at the altar? Would we get your joy and your zeal restored in us? The solution to our sin and the mess it's made is not just to work harder or do better or to try to hold on longer. God, it's to let go of it. It's to bring it to your undeserved favor. It's that you would wash us clean, renew our spirit, create in us a new heart, and that you would give us back the joy that sin has taken. Joint repentance is powerful. God, give us the ability to look at one another and say, you too, in reference to sin, and to also say, you too, in reference to change. Oh, God, do it among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.